Hello, and welcome to Your Next Career Step, a podcast from the Alumni UBC Career Education Program. I'm Nicole Yeasting. On the first four episodes of this podcast, we'll be exploring the idea of adapting through change. Now is the time that many are rethinking what it means to be a leader and looking for motivation and inspiration. Join us in conversation as we learn from industry experts and alumni about career and professional development over the course of this mini-series. Over the past few months, we have been faced with uncertainty, unrelenting anxiety, and frustration. Our daily routines are altered as we brace ourselves to adapt to the current climate. On today's episode, we are talking to alumna, Leah Allinger Pezzer. Leah is a researcher at the University of Calgary and principal co-founder at Lead the Future. Leah will be sharing her experience as a professional athlete, how sport and leadership are intertwined, and how to better understand employees' motivations during change and uncertainty. Leah, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today from Calgary, Alberta. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Likewise, we're really excited to have you as well. So with everything going on, it seems like the world has just turned upside down. And sometimes it can be tough, I think really tough for some to stay optimistic and to maintain sanity, both in the workplace and at home. And there's a lot of change and a lot of uncertainty that has occurred, especially over the past few months since the pandemic started. So we are experiencing so many shifts in our lives from family to work and how we interact with people. And while I like to say that there's hope in the future, our ability to stay motivated in what we do has certainly been altered. So Leah, what have you observed or what have you researched about employee motivation before and after the pandemic was announced? That's, uh, you've made so many good points here about how much has changed so quickly and so when the pandemic started, uh, I was really focused on the pandemic. So what was so special about this experience that uh, was changing how people were thinking and feeling and behaving? But I think upon further reflection, what this has really been in my eyes is an exercise in change and uncertainty at warp speed, where we used to... <laughs> have a change in an organization that was, you know, thought out, that was implemented over time, where people would bring change management specialists in to slowly unroll the change so people were prepared to accept it and to change themselves uh, in relation to whatever the organization wanted. We just didn't have that. We completely skipped one of the most important steps in being able to overcome some of those challenges that come with change. So so really, I think what we're seeing is really normal reactions to an abrupt shift. Exactly. And I think that change at warp speed has it impacted on this working paper that you have written about, about understanding employee motivation. Basically, what ends up happening, I think, when people undergo massive changes is, is they're trying to mentally sort out how they're feeling. So there are changes outside of the workspace, changes in terms of how the home is set up now. Um, people are home much more. They're spending more time with their partners, with their children uh, in their own spaces. And that's, that's something that they have to figure out how to actually get motivated to do the work that they have to do. And on top of that, there are so many changes to their work design. And by work design, I mean how they're doing their work and what their work environment is. 
If they're in the office, they have different rules and regulations that they're operating under. And, and even in terms of social distancing, at the very least, at the most, you know, they're, they're only able to enter the workplace at certain times. So they might have new constraints in terms of how productive they have to be in a short amount of time. And, uh, and they also might be working at home. So they're having to balance two demanding uh, forces in their life, which is, you know, all the responsibilities that they have to the people in their house and also uh, with their work demands. And so it gets a little muddy in terms of what the priorities are and why. Why are we doing this? Does it matter? Um, what matters the most? How do I actually prioritize if I'm choosing between seeing my child in the next room who's been calling me for an hour and getting a really important project done so that my company can thrive in these circumstances and can make the changes that they need to make. So really having to grapple with, you know, who you are in relation to your work and who you are in relation to, you know, the rest of your life. So I think that that's why motivation often will change and shift. And you'll end up seeing some behaviors uh, if you're a manager or a leader of an organization that might surprise you, uh, that might have be quite different than the person that you hired. So you might find that very keen, ambitious employees are a bit more withdrawn. They're more introverted. Maybe a partner's lost a job and now instead of putting that energy toward the organization, they're, they're trying to figure out how their family is going to survive. Uh, you might also see people that were your creative, innovative risk takers playing it safe and start to go, well, why? Why is this happening? If job security is an issue, people are less likely to, um, to take risks. They're, they want to make sure that they're just doing as what they have to do to get by. And these behaviors, I don't think they're that helpful for an organization that also has to make massive changes to adapt to this new environment. You're right. And I think everyone has a different journey, a different path, a different way that they're reacting to, to the pandemic. And it certainly impacts the, the employee motivation. You just mentioned about work, life and how to balance that and, and your motivation changes uh, as things shift. Now, you've had a really interesting career path. Can you share a bit more about your experience? Sure. Yes, I've been a few places and I do think there is one underlying string that ties everything together. I started, as I think most people listening here, I started at UBC. Uh, I was on the volleyball team, which was really why I went to UBC initially. So I was very focused on pursuing those goals while I did my academics. I knew I loved sports and I knew I loved working with people and I loved teams. And so when I finished at UBC, I immediately started to work for 2010 Legacies Now, uh, which then turned into working for the Canadian Olympic Committee and managing their athlete relations. So it was a really uh, great fit for me moving into the sport administration side. But I still had the hunger and longing to compete professionally as, a, as an athlete. So I left that position and went to play professional beach volleyball for quite a few years. I went to Australia, California, and really developed as far as I think I could have gone in, in the sport. And in 2010, I decided to come back home and work for the Vancouver Olympic Committee. 
our organizing committee. That was a really amazing experience. It was probably the work experience that felt the most like being on an athletic team. People that were so committed to this massive goal and this celebration of something bigger than ourselves. And it really lit the fire under me to keep moving in that direction. I really did want to keep giving back to the sport that gave so much to me. And Doug Rammer at UBC was amazing and gracious and gave me the opportunity to come once or twice a week to help with the volleyball team is how he put it at first. I quickly realized that that wasn't going to be enough, that I wanted to be an integral part of the team. And so I, I think a week later, I gave him one whole week <laughs> under his terms. And, uh, and I said, Doug, I want this to be a full-time job. What can we do? And he made it happen. So I coached at UBC after that for five years uh, with some unbelievable people. Through that, I was given the opportunity to do a master's degree in organizational leadership. I'm now at the U of C doing my PhD in industrial organizational psychology. The next step, I believe, will be an integration of, of all of it. Sounds like you're starting to integrate like volleyball, sport, sport leadership already. I'm curious, what initially interested you in playing volleyball? Well, I was a multi-sport athlete, as most of the people in my generation were. I played basketball. I was probably the best at basketball and track. I did some volleyball as well and really enjoyed being a part of a team. So I knew I wanted to do something after high school ended. And, you know, you're going to learn a lot about me by my next statement. The reason I chose volleyball in the end was because I had a coach that pulled me aside and said, Leah, I know you like this game, but you will never make it in volleyball. And <laughs> talk about <laughs> talk about motivation. I think I decided that day that I was going to prove that person wrong. And I like to think I did. But, it, you know, it took, a, it took a lot more work than it would have in other sports for me, for sure. So there was a bit of a sacrifice to being externally motivated like that. <laughs> You've listed so many of your accomplishments and, and boy, did that coach ever get it wrong. <laughs> and when they told you that you are never going to make it. So what fueled that motivation? You mentioned external motivation. So what fueled you to get to... To where you are now. You know, external motivation is really a powerful thing, but the more research I've done and, and looked into motivation at a deeper level, it's, it's not that long-standing. It doesn't hold much glue in the, in the grand scheme of things. And so what ended up motivating me to keep going is a sense that I needed to find out where my cap was, you know, how far could I actually go? What was my, my limit? And, you know, it, it came out in different ways. I ended up choosing beach volleyball in the end, I think because I had more control over my destiny by going in a route where I could choose my own coach, I could choose my own partner, I could choose where I competed, whereas indoor volleyball, it's um, the system is sort of set out for you. So I definitely had to drive my own path. And I had, it, I don't know a better way to explain this, except that it just felt like my, it aligned, playing this sport aligned with who I was. And it was a part of, it wasn't just a part of who I was, it, I really got to express it. 
And uh, and it was such a, a special experience that honestly, I try to recreate it in any ways that I can. I, you know, I even sometimes jump back into the volleyball scene and see if I still have it. <laughs> but, you know, and, and there are some really great opportunities in Canada to do that right now. So, so that's been great. But at the end of the day, I believe that what fueled me and what fuels other people in one domain can be transferred. You can find that that thing. It's not usually about the actual um, event or it's not about the actual activity. There's something beyond that. Before I move ahead, because this this podcast is about understanding employee motivation during a challenging time. The word motivation. How do you define motivation and can you develop it? There would be a few definitions of motivation. The one that I like the most is that motivation is the process that makes a person move towards a goal that they want to achieve or a goal that is in front of them. So that's how I would look at it. I really see it as behavior driven. How meaningful or how much does it matter my feeling of motivation if I have no action towards it? So I really look at motivation being very closely linked to my next behavior, the next thing I do. Uh, if I have a strong motivation, it should result in me behaving in a, a certain way and, and getting closer and closer to the goal I want to achieve. You've defined motivation. Do you think it differs in a personal capacity versus in the workplace? Yes and no. I'll answer that question in two ways. How I believe it differs is maybe where I'll start. I think it differs because in, in our own lives, we really get to set the direction of what we do. Generally speaking, we have, of course, we have circumstances that come into our lives that we have to react to, but we have a lot of choice. Whereas in a workplace, sometimes our choices are given to us. So even in places and more places that say, uh, you know, we have a lot of autonomy. Yes, but it's all within boundaries that are fairly limited. It has to be really conducive to that workplace environment. So I think that's where it differs is just around how much control you actually have in that workplace. And so motivation, it changes based on that. So I don't just do something because it feels good at work, you know, which is maybe what might motivate you outside of your workplace. I actually have to achieve specific goals that are set. How it's the same though is, um, is and this is this is research based, evidence based. Uh, so in years and years of amazing researchers uh, looking into motivation and they have found that there are basic human needs that people are fulfilling. And that's what kind of propels motivation. And I've touched on a couple of them already, but there are three basic needs that even in the workplace, you'll still be trying to fulfill and, and get satisfied. And that's the need for autonomy, which is basically the ability to control the course of your life. So have a say in what you do and how you do it. And, um, and are you aligned with the purpose and the, uh, of your organization? So that would be under autonomy. The second would be a competence. So the need to be effective and to be successful in your environment. So how do you meet challenges and, and can you actually affect some outcome at your workplace? 
And the third one is relatedness. So um, the need to have close relationships with people. And so, you know, this is maybe the one piece that might be debatable for some. Uh, if people have a very strong sense of relatedness outside their workplace, they might require a little bit less from the people, their coworkers, their managers, et cetera, um, at work. But no matter what your situation, you're still trying to fulfill those needs and, and trying to use the context you're in to do that. So those are the, the three components that are that are needed from an employee in order to sort of drive motivation. What can supervisors, managers or even companies do to enhance those qualities? People are internally and externally motivated, which I think most have heard of this. So external motivation in the workplace is behavior based on getting rewards or praise, getting respect from others, uh, performance evaluations, like the, the desire to have good performance evaluations, the desire to look good in front of your colleagues, that would be external. And internal is what you have a deep interest in, enjoyment of, and how your sense of self is realized within the organization. Different organizations start to motivate people with awards. It's a very nice gesture, but it doesn't actually get to the heart of what will keep them long-term uh, motivated. What you need to really do is go, how do we connect that person's human needs to this organization? How do we get them to express more of themselves in what we do? There are a few ways you can do that. And, and I also, you know, I do want to add that there are many ways you can improve employee behavior and get employees engaged and motivated. So the, these are just uh, a very tiny snapshot of what an employee can do. We'll be right back. This episode of Your Next Career Step is supported by the BMO Alumni UBC MasterCard. Reward yourself and support valuable programs and services for the global alumni community every time you use your BMO Alumni UBC MasterCard. Find out more at alumni.ubc.ca slash BMO. Regardless of their situation, I think in BC, we're, during this, we're in a state of transition where some folks are going back into the workplace, others are solely working from home, or for some, um, their, their place of work hasn't changed since the pandemic. But uh, regardless, I feel like everyone is experiencing change, regardless of their situation. And you brought up a good point about managers sharing with employees about the change. But I also want to flip it a bit, because I, I, I think it's equally important for employees to talk to their supervisors and to bring this up to them as well if they're experiencing change. So what sort of questions or what sort of prompting uh, comments can an employee bring forward to their supervisor about how they're experiencing change and, and how it might impact their own motivation? That's a really good question. And I think in, uh, I'm, I'm, I would hope that uh, most people feel pretty psychologically safe in their environment, meaning that they feel that they, if they express concerns or worries or doubt that it's a safe place and they won't end up potentially losing their job or creating friction. My, my sense is most workplaces are, you know, are that way. I would say that there's definitely one way you could go about it, which is just to have the conversation about how you're feeling. If you have a close relationship with your manager, if that isn't um, really comfortable, 
I think that starting um, with asking about what the organization's plan is. So what are our goals now? Have they changed? How do I now evaluate myself in relation to those goals or in relation to the culture change? Because that's an easier place for a lot of managers to start is even verbalizing that they, you know, that there has been really significant change. And then you can find your avenue into talking about where you stand. It's always good to talk about how your performance can become aligned with the organizational performance, because that's what, you know, at the end of the day, that's matters. That's what they're looking at pretty often in terms of who they keep and promote, etc. So that's a really nice starting place for that conversation. How do you stay motivated? And how important is it to be motivated all the time? What I have found is that the groups of people that have more connectiveness, like connectivity together, it doesn't mean they're all friends. It doesn't mean they go out after, but the sense that they have each other's back and they will um, take on extra work if somebody needs a little help and they just have that support mechanism in place and that trust that has grown, that tends to really help people stay motivated through change. And also, you know, in this circumstance where a lot of people's jobs are changing in that they'll have new roles and, you know, have a lot of more learning to do in a quick amount of time with probably not very much training. That's where those relationships are so, so helpful that they can reduce that type of pressure that you feel when you're in that space of confusion or uncertainty about your own abilities. The, you know, people are, I would say, the answer in that case. Uh, will you always feel motivated? No, definitely not. You're going to have those days where you're feeling great and those days where you're really struggling. I think that even acknowledging that it's completely normal when, you know, when your your life feels a bit chaotic and, you know, you look in the news and the world feels a bit chaotic, that you can give yourself complete forgiveness for having a day or a week where you're unmotivated. But are you doing the things that will fuel that motivation, that internal motivation that will, that will kind of reset it, even if it's outside the workplace or outside of that task you're, you're not motivated for? So Leah, one last question for you as we wrap up our podcast. So in a time of rapid change and uncertainty, what is the last message you'd like to share with us as we adapt to our current environment? The last message that I would like to leave everybody is that we have a lot of power to improve and increase motivation in employees. You know, one of the reasons I started my PhD is I wanted to actually understand why certain people and teams and organizations succeed. What I've learned so far is that it's not just one trick, one technique, one behavior we need to start to encourage in employees. There's a really special combination of factors in a workplace that can actually bring groups of people to a whole different level as individuals, as teams, as an organization. And so when, when managers and leaders start to look at what are those factors within our our space here, what actually matters, and they start to together encourage those things in the workplace, special things happen and team and organizational and individual thriving occur. And so um, my last message would be start to get really inquisitive and start to ask a lot of questions of your employees, start to ask a lot of questions 
to your managers and to your leaders. And those, those themes will come up. And, uh, and I think sometimes people will be surprised at how some of the very little things can completely change a workplace. Thanks so much, Leah. Leah, it's been wonderful speaking with you and learning more about employee motivation and how it has changed. So thanks again so much for sharing your expertise and taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Your Next Career Step is a production of Alumni UBC's Career Education Program. Thank you to our host, Nicole Yeasting, and to our guest, Leah Ellinger-Pezer. Thank you to everyone involved with creating this podcast and our affinity sponsors, TD Insurance, BMO Alumni UBC MasterCard, and Manulife Financial. A big thank you especially to Jenna McCann, Brian Short, Mike Almack, Pam Yan, and Daniel Flan. And of course, to you, our audience. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, rate and review this podcast to help others find us. On our next episode, Developing a Growth Mindset, featuring alumni Zane Medji, head of video content for dailyhive.com, and a broadcaster with experiences ranging from morning television, entertainment news magazines, and interviewing Hollywood celebrities from Oprah to Beyonce and Will Smith to Lady Gaga. We will learn from his experiences and how he's developed a growth mindset along the way. The episode will be aired in two weeks. See you then.